Welcome to Get Your Shift Together, hosted by Michelle Ferrari. As an executive and leadership coach, Michelle's mission is to support you on your leadership journey, whether you lead a team of 5,000 or are seeking to improve your own self-leadership. Michelle's approach is to guide you in understanding the impact of your choices and actions and help you shift those choices and actions to align with your goals. Michelle's humor and expertise will leave you wanting more. I hope you're ready to jump in because it's time to get your shift together. All right, we're back with uh, another episode of Get Your Shift Together. I'm Jordan Harding, and I'm here with Michelle Ferrari. And today we're speaking about the great resignation and how it ties into joy and finding more joy at work. How are you, Michelle? I'm terrific. I'm uh, technically on holidays. And... um... Although this has been a very great and growth-filled year, I'm not, uh, I'm not unhappy to see the end of it. <laughs> I think we can put this one behind us, but you know, it's, it's been a good year and we've, we've definitely learned a lot about ourselves and, and the world out there and how quickly a global pandemic can, can change, especially. Yeah, but I think, you know, I, you know I, I, when you say, how are you? And I say, like with a lot of intensity and passion I'm great I am great and I you know I hope a lot I get it I get people are tired and et cetera, et cetera. and you know I didn't lose 80 pounds and become a triathlete I didn't do any of those great things during the last couple of years but I have really connected to myself and I've learned a lot of lessons and I've um, certainly evolved myself my understanding of myself and I've and I understand at a deeper level now even um, how much I'm responsible for my mindset, and so I'm super psyched that at the end of 2021, I can say with a lot of authenticity, I'm great, I'm great, and I'm looking forward to more great in 2022. Oh, that that's good. I'm feeling energized this morning and it's, I'm really excited for this topic. Me too. So, you know, what have you heard about this, this term, the great resignation, or some people are referring to it as the great reallocation. And I think it comes from, you know, there's been a lot of people just leaving and quitting their jobs. I think it started back in April and it's kind of sustained at a, a, a high number more than usual. Um, do you know what, do you, what do you think's going on? Look, <clears throat> I think the term has taken on more power than the actual experience of it. So I'm not sure I believe in the articulation of the great resignation. Um, I, and, and from what I have read and the numbers that I've looked at, um, I think there's more movement in the United States than there was in Canada. What I do believe, I guess what I would call it is the great awakening. And what I'm excited about with this, and, I, and, and this is one of the benefits, air quotes, one of the benefits of the pandemic is that I, I think people are looking at their lives and saying, what's it all about? <laughs> 
and they're doing a little bit of self-analysis and they're doing a little bit of evaluation and they're thinking, okay, is this working for me? And I think whenever we, we are driven to ask ourselves those questions, that's a powerful thing. That's a really powerful thing. And in my opinion, as you well know, Jordan, um, having worked with me for a while now, uh, I, that's my dog just shaking it off everybody. So sorry. <laughs> um, she doesn't really get the whole, like, be quiet during a podcast. Thing. No, no. Um, I think people need to take more accountability and responsibility for how their work does or doesn't feed them how their work does or doesn't fuel them. Now, I want to be really, really clear here. I grew up, my, my early childhood, a big chunk of it was in poverty. So I come from a single mother, like single as in no, no dad in the picture single, like abusive father. He wasn't there, not part-time single parenting. Two older sisters, so three little kids and a mom and a mom working on minimum wage. So I get poverty and I get needing to work regardless of whether you feel good, <laughs> it makes yeah. you happy uh, to put food on the table. Those are not the people I'm talking about right now. So we're what, you know, there are circumstances that cause us to prioritize things in our life and I get going in and no matter how bad it is, you need the paycheck. I get that whole thing. Many of us would like the financial situations that would be caused by leaving our job, but would we be able to figure it out? Would we starve to death? Would we be out of our homes? No, many of us, that is not true. And so I, that's, that's sort of who this conversation is is geared towards. So I think it's the great awakening. Um, and I think some people are, are awakening to the fact that they don't align with the company values that they work for. They don't like the leadership uh, that they work for. They don't feel seen and heard. And I think those are great things. I think those are great things. What I don't think is great <laughs> is if you're being woke by money. And so I have heard a ton. I'm actually shocked by how many people are leaving because a company came to them and said, we'll offer you $30,000 more, $50,000 more. And they made the shift based on that. I'm actually, I'm actually wow. disheartened to know how many of us still make decisions solely based on money. And I, and I think, so to clarify your point, you're saying many of us, if we left a job, wouldn't like the discomfort of not having that, that salary, that loss, but they would know they could bet on their own horse and good clarification on who we're speaking to. We're kind of during this episode, speaking to, you know, corporate Canada or corporate America or entrepreneurs, Correct. Um, but that's so have you seen you've seen a trend in that and a lot of people getting offered more and more money and still making those those decisions to jump. Yes. <clears throat> and, and I, look, I, you know, I, I, I'm in this great place, as, as you know, Jordan, that I'm 56 years old. So <laughs> I'm in a different chapter of my career right now. Um, I'm not I'm not at the beginning. I'm not in that striving phase. And so I understand what that was like. I do. I remember it very distinctly. 
and, and wanting to hit certain clip levels in your career. But what I hope people do is, is look at the money and, and evaluate the money. And, and of course, we're, we're an economic society in many, many ways. What I encourage people to do, and this goes to the joy conversation that, that I want to get to, is what else is it that really drives you and turns you on? And I'm telling you, money isn't going to be it. Money, you know, you forget. The, the more money you get, you will be shocked at how quickly your expenditures catch up to that new influx of money. And a year from now, you're going to find yourself in the exact same financial situation that you find yourself in now. That's not like, it's, it's hilarious to me. You think that $50,000 a year is going to, is going to be different and it's going to change your life. You think $100,000 is going to change your life and it doesn't because your expenditures go up in proportion to the income. Like, you know, if somebody had told me that making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, which I have been very privileged in my career to be able to experience, if someone had told me <laughs> that there would still be days where I go, holy shit, there's a lot of bills. And like, why do I not have any money in my bank account? And that was the same when I was making $50,000 a year. <laughs> That's not what, you know, that's not what drives the joy. That's not what drives what we want to create in our life. It's, it's our mental perspective. It's our consciousness and what we do as a result of that, that really makes the critical difference. And yet most of us don't make decisions based on that. So, but what I wanted to ask you is, do you think this idea of finding more joy or more meaning, is it something much newer today compared to 20 years ago? Like I kind of think back and I'm like, did people just accept and enjoy their jobs much more 20 years ago? And is there just more choice out there or is everyone a little more spoiled today than they were back 20 years ago? Well, that's a lot. You got a lot in there, bud. Um... Yeah. So look, I think every generation is more conscious for sure. Yeah. And do I think like if, if we look at somebody in the 1960s, 1980s, the 2000s, do I think that every, every generation says, okay, I, I have to work. I have a, I have to have a roof over my head. I have to pay for groceries. I'd like to pay for some fun stuff. And then I think with every successive generation, we also then start to say, and I want to have meaning or I want to enjoy going to work. Do I think that that has increased? For sure. Mm -hmm. I think that what I think is we've lost the plot line. And I feel really strongly about this. We've lost the plot line on who's responsible for giving us meaning and joy in work. I think we've lost the plot line. And I think that that started with the Googles and Twitters of the world saying, look, we have snacks and ping pong tables, and this is going to make you enjoy work anymore. It's going to make you enjoy work more. Ah, bullshit. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Take your snacks, take your ping pong tables. That's not 
what's going to give me joy. And I think that that, that was the red herring that made us just, it, it was more stuff that was supposed to give us joy. That's not how you get, and jo look, joy is a big word when it comes to work and maybe that's overstating it, but I think you can find satisfaction. Like when I talk about joy at work, I'm talking about inner satisfaction of what I'm doing and how it connects to what I want to create in the world. So let's go, go with that one. Like as we get into joy and inner satisfaction, I really like the word. And like you said, I think that people put too much responsibility on the employer to find that joy when you're right. It's really uh, your responsibility to find ways to find more joy. Was that what you were getting at? 100%. Yeah. And look, so, I think... 50% the responsibility of the employer to say, here's what we stand for. Here's what we're trying to do. And as we're doing that, here's what we stand for. I think the employers have to do a much better job of articulating that and articulating that consistently. And I'd rather that you focus on that for your employees than giving them snacks and ping pong tables. But at the end of the day, you have to do the inner work and say, what do they stand for? Do I like that? And does that align with what I stand for? Hang on a second. Do I even know what I stand for? Wait a minute. Right? Like how many people go into job interviews going, I really hope that they hire me. I really hope they like me. That's right. Yeah. Do I like you? Exactly. Yeah. And people always, when I, people would ask me about interviewing, I would always say, it. think of it when they were nervous. I was always say, think of it as a two-way street, right? You're interviewing the company too. Agreed. What do you think? So when you, when you think about how we can find more joy in 2022, I I've got some ideas here, but I don't know. Do you want to kick it off with a few that you might, you might have? Well, I, look, Jordan, for me, it, it, it always begins in the same place when we talk about this kind of thing. And that is some self-reflection. So who am I? What do I want to stand for? What do I want to create in the world? And without that self-reflection, finding joy and or satisfaction is near impossible. So what I would encourage every single person that's going to listen to this is start with a statement of what you want to create in 2022. What do you want to stand for? So um, I know a lot of people, um, one of the current gurus is Simon Sinek. He would say your why. Mm -hmm. uh, so what is it that you, regardless of the job that you do, regardless of your family situation, regardless of your financial situation, regardless of anything, what is it that you want to create? So I do call that a personal vision statement mm -hmm. and anchor yourself in that. I think that's, that's one of the most profound ways that you can find joy and or satisfaction. And can I just, can I just tell a quick story here, George? Yeah, go for it. And, so, but I think that's important. Start with what you want to create in the next year and kind of have that as your guiding, guiding star. Yeah, because it's not. It's not, I want to create this if everybody in my life shows up properly. If my work does everything that it's supposed to do for me, then I want to create this. It's regardless of the environment that I find myself in, I want to do this. 
So it's like a marathoner. A marathoner doesn't say like lots of people on the new year say, oh, I'm going to run a marathon this year, but they don't say to themselves, I'm going to run a marathon. If I can train in the sun, I'm going to run a marathon. If I can train only on days that there's no wind. Like it's, if you decide that you're going to run a marathon, you're going to have to run in snow. You're going to have to run in rain. You're going to have to run in heat. Right. It's, the whole profound experience of running a marathon is because you overcame every single obstacle with the singular focus of, I have to run 42 kilometers. That's the, otherwise we'd all be running marathons. Like if it was easy, we'd all be doing it. And, and I, I'm coaching this incredible woman, bright, ambitious, tenacious, um, generous in her thinking and um this is relatively new so i won't i won't say too much about it but she um came back from mat leave this year she took a very short mat leave and um she was having some some conversations uh, compensation conversations around it and and during these conversations discovered that um a very senior individual male gender had some interesting and I'll say not surprising um, perspectives on maternity leave and compensation. So needless to say, it was a very disheartening experience and um, some would say shocking, but I'm not that shocked by it. And, and she was really disturbed by it and, and, and again, disheartened by it. And, but what was interesting because we'd done the work at the beginning of the year, what do you stand for? What is it that you want to create? As, as awful as this experience has been for her and as disheartening as this experience has been for her, when I read back her statement of what she wanted to stand for, which was about creating a more equitable environment for people, regardless of gender, race, religion, or sexuality, we kind of both took a moment and went, So that very thing that I articulated that I want to stand for, I'm now being given an opportunity wrapped in some really ugly wrapping paper, (laughs) but I'm being given this opportunity to change the world for the people who are coming up behind me at this organization. And suddenly in this really ugly, disheartening experience, is really deep satisfaction and dare I say joy because wow I can make a difference here so that's what I mean that's why I think it's so important to really articulate what do I want to stand for and I will go out on a limb and say to people it has to be bigger than yourself can't be all about you So there, I went the route of like, you know, deep self-reflective work. What were you thinking of in terms of finding more joy? (laughs) No, there's been some interesting podcasts or or articles I've been reading about this or just hearing. And, you know, one of the things, there's a podcast that Lori Santos does. She's she's at Yale and she was the person that created that whole happiness course there that was well oversubscribed. So one of the interesting things she did with um, her friend, her friend's name is Catherine Price, was 
she thought of creating more joy outside of work and then how would that would impact your your life at work and i i thought it was interesting because especially during the pandemic you know a lot of people are like yeah i just work from home a lot of people that are fortunate enough or that have work from home you know this again this is talking about a certain subset of the population but people that work from home they'll just get up go to their computer do their job you sit on the couch, watch, watch Netflix or sports or Disney plus whatever, and then go to bed and do it all over. Yeah. Um, but this Catherine price was writing a book about fun. I think it was. And she talked to Lori about, you know, having fun interventions. And I just thought it was interesting at how you could bring fun into your life outside of work. And the one thing she spoke about was how, um, you know, she really enjoys singing out loud with people that are around her. And, you know, she did this and she tried this with a friend and for four weeks, I think she canceled their podcast or research work and tried to do things new. Like, I think she learned how to surf. They got a surfing coach. Um, she did more singing. She bought a drum set to just try that, tried to learn the language for a bit. And I thought this idea of a fun intervention was very interesting. Um, and I, I, I wondered if you thought people can do more outside of their work to try new things and, and add more, more spontaneity to their lives. A hundred percent. But, you know, look, first of all, I love that woman because singing is my passion. So if this coaching gig doesn't work out, I'm going to become a lounge singer. <laughs> um, I, I remember it. you telling me about that actually. Yeah. At some point I'm really going to have to, I, I am, I, at some point I can see myself like hiring at a nightclub and inviting all my friends and I'm going to do like a mini concert. I have to do that because that is a life thing. Um, I think, look, for her, fun was what do I want to stand for? And I need more fun. So that's conscious effort to create fun. So what I love about that story is one, she's clear on what she wants to create and stand for in her life. And two, she takes accountability for it. Right. And she consciously goes out and aligns her actions, her decisions with her intention, with her desire to create fun. So, yes, that's brilliant. Get conscious, make decisions in accordance with what it is that you want to create and don't wait for it to come to you. So do you want to have fun? Do you want to have more spirituality? Do you want to have more generosity? Do you want to have more um, equity in the world? Like pick your stuff and then make decisions in alignment with that. And I really do want to be your friend. Like, how do I reach her? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you could reach her. You should. You reach out to her. And you know what? It was her friend coming to her. I don't know if she actively was looking for more fun, but this Catherine Price was doing a study. Yeah. And, you know, she was kind of like, oh, I'll give this a shot. And the results she had in terms of just how she felt, you know, she talked about it being unbelievable. She also spoke with Dan Price about it. I think mm. it's Dan Price. Who was the guy that, um, sorry, it's Dan Harris, who used to be on ABC News for 20 years, okay. and then yeah, he created he, 10% Happier. That's yeah, he, where he had the breakdown on television, right? And then started yeah, meditation. Yeah. That's him. They did. Yeah, they did this episode on and he he's doing the same thing. Like his son loves drums. So he got drums. He used to play them as a kid. And they were talking about it on his episode as well, because he was doing a whole series on how to find more joy at work. 
The other interesting thing that she brought up is she has a colleague at Yale uh, named Amy Resnitsky, and they spoke about job crafting, which apparently this Amy uh, Resnitsky is big into. She was saying, start with your virtues and your strengths and put more joy into your job by doing some of those things. So one of the studies they did was on hospital janitors. And a decent number of those hospital janitors said that their job was actually a calling. And what she realized was some of them really loved the people connection. They also loved being funny and almost in a comedic like way. Yeah. And the one person she spoke to his, his reaction was my job is to cheer people up. And what he said was he cleans out chemo wards at hospitals and when a uh, patient's throwing up he made a joke like oh just keep going I need more of that I need to keep my job so I can clean it up and he was having fun with the patients and it was very interesting I always find it interesting how people have jobs that I'll be honest I I wouldn't like or find joy in myself where I don't think I would and it's very interesting to see how they think it's a calling and or know inside themselves it's a calling and how they find joy from that work 100 I, I i mean i think that's brilliant and and again it's it begins with mindset right look i know one of my favorite things to do well that's that's an overstatement it's not one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> one of the things that i enjoy doing is on garbage collection day i like running into the garbage collectors and saying thank you to them like, God bless you for picking up my garbage. Like, thank you. Like, you you aren't a garbage man, and right? You're cleaning up the world. You're making it easier for me to live my life. Like, thank you. This, this is the point, uh, to me anyways, Jordan, where it goes to, it has to be bigger than you, right? Like, what yeah, am I in yeah. service to? So a janitor is in service to, to cleaning up an environment, to making things more fun for people. Like he's the, the people that you've um, referenced here, they really have the right mindset and they realize that it doesn't matter what you're doing. It matters why you're doing it. Who am I in service to? And I, and I think that's amazing. And so, you know, the things that I'm hearing and the references that you're making is people being clear on what they personally want to create and their mindset realizing that they are responsible for doing it themselves and not making others responsible. So whether that's in your work or outside of your work, right? It's this conscious choice of cultivating that, which you seek, cultivate that, which you seek. And that, rule in my opinion applies in your job in your working hours and for those of us who are working 70 hours a week it holds true there for those of us who are working 37.5 hours a week it holds true there and then in your spare time are you also consciously cultivating that which you seek or to the you know your point am i sitting down my mind is numb i'm turning on the disney plus channel and i'm just fetching out because ultimately if you do that consciously and you say, I really need a down day and I'm really, this is, this is what my spirit needs, then you're cultivating joy. If you do that without consciously choosing it, you're not cultivating anything in your life. You're numbing out. 
Yeah. Yeah. And a few things there I want to touch on one, you know, shout out to this Lori Santos. I really do think the yeah. content she's putting out is amazing. And one of the things she did say to uh, Dan Harris was when she orders dinner online, like say a burger or Thai food, she consciously decides in her head that by ordering this food, it's going to save me an hour of time or 30 minutes of time to prepare it. And therefore I'm taking time back, which makes her happier in her day. And I, I really do. She could have gone the other way to say, oh, I'm lazy. Oh, I'm paying for food. Um, but she talks about how she's saving time and how that gives her joy back to do other things. Big shout out to her. Cause I, yeah. I think that that wisdom, that's what we all need to be paying attention to. So Lori, I'm, um, I, you don't know it yet, but I'm going to become your best friend. So stay tuned. Cause I'm really fun. There you go. And, and the other thing you mentioned is creating, figuring out what you stand for was, was your major point, which I think is important. And, and, um, uh, we spoke about taking responsibility and, you know, it, it was something simple you did, Michelle, on your, your post on Instagram, you picked up some garbage around your neighborhood and that was yeah. really, you know, what you want to stand for and taking it into your own hands to make happiness and joy around you. Yeah. What about, so, you know, if, if you speak with a lot of leaders and if we think about leaders over the last, uh, over the last, you know, year and a half, they've really probably had to hide some of their negative emotions to really be positive in front of the people they're leading and they've had to really push through to just make sure their business survives. And I was reading another article that said, you know, one, joy doesn't require the absence of suffering. I think nope. this was a Forbes article. And three things it was saying leaders could do are, you know, build more of your strengths into your day because yes. you may have been just you may be excited about launching new projects or launching new ideas. And maybe you haven't been able to do that for the last two years. Yep. Um, it spoke about finding those trusted colleagues at work to share things with and be vulnerable with, because I think that that is, that's not as prevalent in remote work. You have to really be intentional about that. And then getting back to focusing on professional growth or, growing, growing yourself, right? Because you're just trying to keep the ship above water over the last few years. If you think about leaders, what do you, what do you think about them and finding more joy at their work? Like, I know it, it, again, it probably going into the new year, it starts with what are you going to stand for or what do you want to stand for? Yeah, I, yes, it, it does start with that. Um, look, I, <laughs> I love my work because I, one, I get to work with a lot of leaders who are freaking nailing leadership and um, are really in tune with their teams and then what their teams need. Like I, I have in the past couple of years really encountered leaders who uh, I'm, I'm actually surprised. I don't know if that's the right word or not by how empathetic they are to their teams and how compassionate they are towards their teams and that they're really focused on making the world better for them. And that's like, man, I can't get enough of that. I can't get enough of that. And all while driving growth and profitability and like, you know, because money's fun and sexy. Like I get it. I like money too. And I'm encountering a lot of leaders who 
are shockingly asleep at the wheel. I, you know, there's a young entrepreneurial company run by young women and it shocks me because although now it's changed because we're sort of back in semi-lockdown um they she didn't like people taking Fridays to work from home now when you hear that the assumption there is the unspoken belief there is because I don't think you're really working from home on a Friday I think you're taking time off and you're not being productive so I don't trust you Mm -hmm. it's trust so get conscious like do you is that really what you want to be sending to your staff the message that I don't trust you but that's like that's a 1950s adage that if I'm not watching you you're not working well if that's what you really think about your employees here's my first tip to you get rid of them (laughs) like yeah Yeah, why'd you hire them right like get a team of people who regardless of where they are you know that they're going to be working you know that they know what the job is, they know how to get it done and they're gonna be working. If you literally think that you have to have people come to the office on a Friday because otherwise you don't think they're working, you've got the wrong people on your team. Like don't, anyways. um, Get get new people on your bus, right? Get new people on your bus. So I think, yes. So start with what is it that I wanna create as a leader? Two though, is this concept of, believe in your people. So one of the coaching principles um, is that you have to believe that your client is wholly capable on their own. Like you, I can't go into a coaching relationship believing that they need me to help them fix their lives. They don't. And as a leader, you have to believe that your employees, the people that you're bringing in, to work with are capable of doing what it is that needs to be done. You've got to cultivate this idea of, that's my dog, she wants to go out. That people are capable of making a contribution. And then your responsibility is to cultivate the environment where they can be making a difference. That's your job as a leader make people clear on what it is we're trying to do and what we stand for, and then create environments that allow people to do the very thing that we've asked them to do. That's, you know, and that's what I want people to, to wake up to. I, as leaders, that's what I want people to, to wake up to. It goes back to you and I talked a long time ago about service leadership. Yes. Yeah. You know, and as a leader, I'm in service to my team and creating an environment for them that makes their job meaningful, palatable, inspires loyalty and trust. Like I could go on and on and on. It's not about watching them. It's about enabling them. That's, you know, that's the definition of leadership. Yeah, yeah. It's about giving them that opportunity and giving them that autonomy. And I think you nailed it. If you don't believe that they're working, you know, get more, get new people, get new people in. Get new people in. I, so I think, you know, what I hope in 2022, leaders and employees alike, I hope we all get conscious, more conscious. I hope we get 
I hope we get more conscious to what it is that we want to create and put some skin in the game, like, like stand for declare, declare, articulate what it is that you want to stand for. And then regardless of the winds that blow, the storms that come, the sunny, gorgeous days that come, stand for that and make your decisions and your actions in alignment with that. That's where satisfaction is. That's where, that's where joy is. And I, and I really fundamentally believe that it's a 50-50 deal that we get into with the companies that we work for. Investigate them. Find out what they stand for. Find out what their values are. After you've done your own work and figured out what your values are and what you stand for, because it's that alignment where power exists, where we really can start to, to change things. For sure. Yeah. And I hope people are more intentional and conscious as well. And, and, you know, definitely by standing for something you believe in and sticking with that, you know, more internal joy is going to be created as well, more satisfaction. And then um, when more, you know, when your internal uh, joy thermometer is rising, here's what happens automatically. You cast that joy around you. So someone right. in a really hard time and walks into a grocery store everyone typically in their path is going to know that they're having a hard time and they're having a bad day from the tone of voice, from the, you know, just from the energy and, and suddenly they're creating shit in other people's day. Same is true of somebody who's joyful, same as, you know, who's chosen a mindset of creating something bigger than themselves. Suddenly they're casting light everywhere they go. And every single person on the planet is capable of casting more light. Yeah. And something you said recently, Michelle, to me was, you know, if you have energy, give it uh, and something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I think, you know, as this comes out in early 2022, we had the energy to do this and, you know, can, can hopefully, you know, people will listen to that and get energized and figure out what they stand for and then go, uh, go through 2022 with that mindset. Right. That is my sincere wish for all of us in 2022. I've already picked you know, I do this every year, Jordan, I pick what it is that I'm going to stand for. And then I synthesize it down to one, two or three words hmm. so that I can constantly remind myself of what that is. And, and for me, what I do, I can't share with you what my words are because of what I'm about to say. Um, what I do is I change my passwords to, to that. So every time I'm oh, typing smart. my bank account or every time I'm typing into Netflix, whatever it is, I keep bringing that consciousness back to myself. Oh, right. That's what I said. I wanted 2022 to be about. I love that. That's great. Right. Well, so, yeah. I, I love it. I think that's awesome. Cause it's a constant reminder and yeah. you know, I really like this, this episode topic and I think we can even expand in it in another episode we do. I think so too, because I could keep talking about this, honestly, like it's, I uh, could too. there's a, I, I'm feeling a ton of energy right now. So, you know, everybody who's listening to this episode, let, let's say, stay tuned for part two. Yes, let's do, we're going to do part two and we're going to keep going with this. And I want to dig into, you know, how you go from what you stand for to those three key words and right. Right. without yeah. getting into details for bank account purposes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, here's the deal. so, you know, 
we'll come back to you sort of sometime in January with now that I've figured out what I do want to stand for, how do I execute against that? Perfect. And 2022 is going to rock for all of us people, regardless of the pandemic. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a year. Heck of a year, bud. Yeah. Well, thank you, Michelle. And uh, we'll, we'll be back in the new year. Sounds great. Thanks for tuning in. And be sure to follow Get Your Shift Together on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and visit michelleferrari.org to learn more. This has been Jordan Harding with Michelle Ferrari reminding you to get your shift together. Join us next time.